Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brad Loomis from 3DMJ. That's the 3D Muscle Journey. Brad Loomis has a very diverse experience and career in strength sports in general. He's kind of done a little bit of everything, which makes him a, a really great resource and somebody to learn from. His career started in natural bodybuilding, competing as an amateur from 1998 to 2008 when he earned his pro card with the WNBF. Uh, he founded, owned, and operated Healthy Bodies Fitness, which was a gym that he ran. He's been certified in RKC uh, in multiple times and in 2009 competed in drug-free raw powerlifting. He earned national podium placings in both 74 and 83 kilogram weight classes as a USPL, USAPL master powerlifter. Uh, but his true passion is coaching. Um, and he has a medical background as well because he works in the healthcare space. But the point with Brad is, is that he's done it all. He, he is uh, being RK certified, first of all, is a very impressive physical feat an endeavor of strength period because you have to be really fit to do that but the fact that he has gone the kettlebell route he has been in the business route he has been in the medical route he has done the natural bodybuilding route and he has done the powerlifting route really means that he is somebody that you can turn to for just about everything and and it's really cool because I want to say we say it in the podcast but I want to say it was like 2014 um, I had a consultation with Brad. So uh, early in my training and coaching career, um, I sought out 3DMJ to help me change my body and to chase my goals. And we mocked up a lean bulking plan at the time I was trying to gain size. Um, and it was really cool because as soon as I emailed him on the podcast, he remembered and he still had the data from my Excel sheet way back then, which just goes to show how passionate he is about coaching, um, and which is why he is one of the head coaches at 3DMJ, which is an extremely reputable company. So I'm really excited to have him on because I've had Jeff Albert on, which is another person from 3DMJ, but also because these guys have ha had a very large influence on my career, uh, my knowledge base, my education, and how I have integrity inside of my coaching. I really respect these guys for their integrity and for their passion that never seems to die or slow down, no matter how long they've been in the space. So for somebody like me who has been following them since 2011, 2012, when I start, first started watching Eric Helms on uh, their YouTube channel, and then I ended up watching Alberto and Brad and Jeff and Andrea and really starting to get, uh, get to know all of them through content and learn from them through content, it's a pleasure to have most of them on and coming onto the podcast if we haven't already scheduled them. Um, we will be getting more of these guys on the podcast to, to share their knowledge with you. And it's, and it's a pleasure of mine because it's so cool to, that life comes in full circles and I'm able to host on my podcast these individuals that had such a big influence on me. But before I rant on anymore and keep talking these guys up, let's get on to the episode. This is a really, really cool uh, episode with the one and only Brad Loomis from 3DMJ. You can find him on Instagram at 3DMJ Coach. And I would encourage you to take a screenshot of this show, post it on your story, and tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. And make sure you tag Brad at 3DMJ Coach. We want to know that you are listening. We want to know that you are benefiting and that we provided value to you in this podcast. And if that's the case, we want to thank you and then we want to share it on our story. Without any further ado, let's talk to Brad. All right, so this is exciting for me because this is uh, the second 3DMJ coach I've had on the podcast. I've had Jeff Alberts, um, and I'm working on getting the rest of you guys. But uh, this one is special because we were just talking about this. We had a consult three or four years ago, 2016 or 17. Um, I remember the couch I was sitting on in my house that I had a couple roommates with. I was an in-person trainer still, trying to start a business. Um, and I was just really just learning and, and, and I, I was past the point of learning. I had already competed once, but it was like really cool because I was seeking you guys for help. And now I get to have you on my podcast and we can kind of dive into some cool topics. So, um, my guest today, Brad Loomis from 3DMJ, I'm really excited to have you here. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Cody. And it's funny that you mentioned that because, uh, when we met, uh, that three or four years ago, uh, like I just said, we, I was sitting right here, I was sitting right here, different <laughs> computer that's in front of me now, but. Still got the same program that we wrote that day together 
Um, and, and yeah, I guess the more things change, you know, sometimes the more things stay the same. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's cool. Cause I think we were talking about, it was like a lean bulking program and, and it just goes to show people this stuff takes a long time. I've been at this for a long time and I've been seeking help for a long time. Um, my, my current coach, actually, you, you probably know him, uh, Eric Trexler. He's helping me out right now and he's doing a lot of my programming. So I still invest in coaching to this day because it's so valuable to get that help over time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, and if nothing else, I mean, coaches getting coaching is worth the education, you know, um, and there's a lot more that, that we benefit from than just accountability and, and, you know, having a second set of eyes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Shoot, just like I said, the, the, the things that you learn from other coaches that you can pass on to all of your clients and, and whomever else that might listen to you in my opinion, is, is worth the, the, the price of admission right there. <laughs> I, I could not agree more. That's actually one of the, the big drivers for me is always learning from the coach I'm working with. And, and even if it's, you know, there's a lot of people that do the same thing and have the same beliefs, but they might just interpret the research a little bit different or coach, how the art of coaching is, is, is so diverse and how people deliver programming and nutrition and advice and guidance and adjustments that I think just the, the experience of seeing how different coaches do things differently is so valuable as a coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, you can probably name half of your repertoire. You probably learn from other coaches because I know that's yeah. my case, you know, at least 50% of what I do today has been what I've learned from either the other team 3DMJ coaches or, you know, through the different affiliates, you know, that we've worked with, like uh, TSA, the strength athlete, that's Bryce Lewis's uh, group of coaches that he has, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's um, – a big portion of my toolbox. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I actually do want to dive into um, your toolbox, so to speak, a little bit and, and kind of dive into your story of, uh, I mean, you're talking about these other coaches and, and just, I mean, 3DMJ as a, as a whole is just such a powerhouse of, of quality information and everybody on the team is so smart. And then you have somebody like Eric Helms, who is one of the people publishing half the research that we study as coaches. And mm -hmm. um, so I would love to get your story of how that even came about. Like, uh, yeah, you don't have to do the whole 3D MJ origin uh, spiel if you don't want to. You can, uh, uh -huh. but really, kind of like how you got into it, how you met the guys, how that came about, and how that evolution has kind of grown into what it is today. So yeah, we had met at this little tiny bodybuilding show, and uh, talked quite a bit because when it was that small, it was like you're you're talking to the the, the three or four other guys that are there, and then it was just kind of like he kicked my butt, he won the whole thing. Um, and it was forgotten, you know, and then I want to say it was about three years later. Um, I had met Alberto at a bodybuilding show that we were both competing in. Um, and it kind of got to know him a little bit through the bodybuilding.com forums and whatnot. And again, we competed together. Again, got my butt kicked. Alberto won. <laughs> Great. <butt>. Um, <laughs> like the very next year, things really started kind of clicking along. And I had met Eric through Alberto um, at kind of like my very first powerlifting meet that I ever went to. Uh, Eric was competing at it. This was early, early 09. Um, and from there, it just kind of, it went so fast to be honest with you, because Eric was, was trying to, to, to get his pro card that year. And then lo and behold, Eric competes at a show that Jeff is at and Alberto's there. We're all supporting Eric, etc. And they're all telling me, yeah, there's this guy here that, that, you know, is, is going to win the whole show. I mean, he's just freaky shredded. It's just insane symmetry. And, I start looking at the program and I, I see Jeff Alberts. So I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> I know this guy, you know. And um, later that night, went backstage. He recognized me. I recognized him. We talked for a few minutes. They talked about the very early stages of 3D Muscle Journey. And that was kind of the, the, the whole take on it right there. The rest is kind of history, you know. But we all met through competing in bodybuilding. It's really cool because I remember 
honestly, probably even like in 2012, maybe 13, but like really early YouTube 3DMJ of watching all you guys with your different blogs and, and talking about things that nobody was talking about yet. Um, and as somebody who is just stepping into this, who did a contest prep the wrong way, who rebounded after the horrible way, it was like such a breath of fresh air of like really good education and like really practical, applicable information that, that people can actually use and, and better themselves with. It wasn't just a, uh, a day in the life vlog. It was a vlog like educating me and teaching me how to chase this physique that I was after. Um, and it really changed a lot for me because you guys specifically and a couple more that I can think of really changed my mindset on, on what kind of content I wanted to put out and how I wanted to help people. And now our whole entire business is based on providing quality content so people can learn. So, I mean, first and foremost, thank you for being that because you guys were such a catalyst. Sometimes I don't think you guys realize how big of a catalyst it was. Um, but I'm also curious of, of before even 3DMJ, like what made you step into bodybuilding in the first place and strength training? Um, okay, so yeah, that's going way back. So yeah, I might even be revealing my, my age here, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, I started out in, in, even before I I thought about bodybuilding, I I just kind of started weight training with a more serious, um, I guess, fervor for it because of, of a back abnormality that I had had. I didn't even really know that I had had this birth defect. And so my plan was to make myself, you know, as strong as I could to kind of thwart off the effects of this, this abnormality that I had, which 90% of people, well, maybe not 90, it's, it's, I'm probably exaggerating, it's probably like 75% of people, they need to have surgery for it. They need to actually have the two vertebrae reduced because they're offset. And they need to have hardware put in for it to stay there. So that was my original intention. And then as I, I was, you know, educating myself and, and training, um, I was just passing on, you know, kind of what I was learning to others. And um, a coworker at the hospital I worked at said, you know, Brad, you've, you've missed your calling here. <laughs> you need to, you know, kind of think about switching careers and, 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 and pursue this. And, and that was what got me thinking, okay, you know what, I can actually communicate um, subjects to people that they can understand. And it just so happened that I was passionate about, you know, call it fitness, call it bodybuilding, call it whatever. Um, I started a gym, started um, training people for free, did that for, gosh, I don't even know how long, for years. Um, And then it was kind of like, almost what seemed like at the time, a natural evolution. You know, here I am, this trainer, um, you know, working towards being strong and I just needed a competitive outlet and it kind of made sense. Well, let's just do bodybuilding, you know, because here I am this trainer on my, my, my body is kind of my billboard in a way, you know? Um, and so, yeah, kind of in my second year of business, I started competing in bodybuilding and then little did I know, you know, through competitions that I had a, a pretty special gift at the time because now it's not as, as special but at the time i could get leaner than 95 percent of the people on stage don't really know why don't know if that was because i could push myself harder or i could diet harder or whatever um i think it's kind of somewhat of a genetic thing you know i just i have this kind of you know portuguese thin skin that is kind of like saran wrap <laughs> you know over the <laughs> the muscles and whatnot and i could compete really well uh, because I could get so lean. And that just kind of, of course, ignited the competitive fire in me. And it was like, I just want to push this thing as, as far as I possibly can. And then over the years, you know, I competed and won my pro card and then, you know, moved on to the pros and et cetera, et cetera. But it was the original intent of just trying to keep my body um, as strong and as healthy as I could get it that got me moving in that direction you know what i mean to where i i train to this day you know and will train for the rest of my life because i truly feel like the reason i haven't had to have surgery and the reason i'm not you know debilitated like so many people are is because um of weight training you might have just answered this with that but i get this question all the time too is 
and sometimes I don't know how to answer it. Um, what has kept you motivated to keep pushing for a better physique, stronger power lift, so on and so forth, like continually getting better with fitness as the years go on? What keeps that drive alive? Going, is it this yeah. injury and prevention or, or is it more than that? That's, that's definitely there kind of in the back of my mind. You know, it's not like I think about it anymore, but it's there. You know, I've, I've got to keep um, myself together through the musculature, right? But, you know, I just train here at home. I have a weight room here at home. Um, very rarely do I venture out into the world and, and, and train. Um, and people, you know, ask me that quite a bit. And really, to be honest with you, Cody, I just really like weight training. I really like lifting weights. And I can't even really explain it, but I mean, how many 48, 49 year old guys can just go in and throw 350 pounds on the bar and, and squat it, you know, uh, or throw, you know, 300 pounds and bench it, you know? And so therefore, when I do venture out into the world, I've got the ability and the strength to be able to do things that most 48, you know, 49 year old guys can't do. But I don't know, it's just something about, weight training I really really enjoy it you know and yeah I mean there's days that I don't want to do it don't get me wrong but um I can't wait sometimes to like get in there and get doing things that most 48 49 year old guys can't do I really love it I really do and I, I I made this little little quote quite a few years ago that you know there's some people that they train to compete that's the whole reason they train is to compete whether it be bodybuilding or their, their team sport or, or what have you, CrossFit, powerlifting. They train for that sport, too. They train to compete. Me, I just train because I love to train, you know? And I just so happen to compete on occasion because it's kind of convenient in, in line with my training, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I know I, it's hard to explain. I just really enjoy lifting weights. I really do. I think, I think it's one of those things that um, a common trait with people like yourself and, and myself and a lot of people that are in the same boat is they definitely fall in love with the process versus the outcome, you know, and I think that's what continually keeps you going and pushing is that you really do enjoy the process versus being so focused on the outcome that it's only worth it if you get there. But you're never going to enjoy the process if you're only worried about that one small period of time that you, and most successful bodybuilders, I would say are the same way. Like they love competing, but it's the journey to stage that is probably keeps them going. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about as well is, is just how bodybuilding in really the fitness space in general, online coaching and everything that you've been a part of has changed and shifted over the last five to 10 years and how you have watched it. I mean, in, I got to imagine it's changed quite a bit. Even in mine, I've been doing this for eight to nine years and it's changed a ton. Um, and it's been really cool for me to see. So I'm curious the, uh, from the, the good and the bad, what have you watched and observed um, as far as things that have changed? Yeah, as we know, like social media has, has changed everything, right? Um, heck, I, I, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I raced cars. I was a stock car racer. And you should see how that sport has changed because of social media. So um, that was a game changer in, it, in itself, right? But when you're, you're thinking of, okay, let's look at just the sport of, of bodybuilding, right? Um, I can say from, from a, a competitive point of view, a competitive aspect, um, it's, it's much more competitive now. I really am pretty adamant on a, the stand that I don't know that I could win my pro card in today's day and age because like I just mentioned earlier, I could easily just show up to, you know, any competition in the mid to late 2000s uh, and contend for the win just because I did have that gift of getting really, really lean, you know, just getting really shredded. But shoot, anymore, especially with, you know, all of the things that we know about um, or the things that we know and the, the, the tools that we know to get people really lean, um, that's commonplace, you know. And so, anymore just getting to the show being really really lean is not enough to keep you competitive you know you 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 will probably place well um but you know 
on top of being really, really lean, you got to have plenty of muscle, right? I'd say more than the average, the average gym goer. And then on top of that, I mean, in today's day and age, it's the symmetry, you know, it's that, that, that pleasing V taper, the wide shoulders and the small waist, which, you know, some people are never going to get that, you know, at least I'm not going to get that unless you go in there and shave off my, my, my pelvis, you know? <laughs> so strictly from a competitive standpoint, it's just so darn competitive anymore because everybody shows up shredded. Um, and so therefore I, I feel like the sport, I don't know. When I first got into it, it was kind of like, to me, it was a natural evolution. It was kind of like bodybuilding seems like a healthy thing for me to do. Um, you eat good. You know, you watch your nutrition. Um, you make sure that you're, you're taking in your, your good nutrients and you're exercising, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but gosh, anymore, it, it's, especially to get the average person really, really lean, it's very not healthy. <laughs> You know, you push yourself and really deprive yourself both physically and mentally that um, I don't think it's quite looked at in the same way um, from a health standpoint that it was maybe, and maybe it's been longer than that, you know, maybe it's been more like 12 or 15 years since it was kind of looked at as kind of a, you know, somewhat of a, of a healthy pursuit, but I, I don't feel like it's, that's the case anymore. Um, now I can say that on the, on on the good part, it seems like, and maybe it's just because I live in my own little bubble, you know, and and I don't know about the outliers that I don't really follow, but it just seems like bodybuilders, and you know, kind of, you know, coaches and whatnot seem to be a little bit more humble and a little more friendly than they used to be. Um, you know, I remember early on competing in an NPC show where you know it was kind of cutthroat in a way, you know, people weren't really divulging much in the way of information on how they got their shape and their conditioning. And, you know, it was kind of like wear hoodies and, and keep everything covered up, you know, until right before stage. And then it was kind of like when you got on stage, it was, you know, kind of like do what you can to <laughs> make a show out of it to make the other guys look bad, you know, and it seems like anymore, it's a lot more just more of a family, you know, atmosphere. Now I could be totally wrong with that because I just, like I said, I live in my little bubble with the athletes that I coach and, you know, the, the, the competitions that I officiate, you know, and things like that. Um, but it, at least from where I'm sitting now in comparison to where I was sitting then, it just seems like it's a little bit more of a, of a, of a friendly, humble, you know, atmosphere. Uh, that I that I, I see, um, and then with the with the aspect of of fitness, you know, and 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 just the the atmosphere, right? Gosh, what hasn't changed? <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> Cody, everybody's got a voice, right? Yeah, everybody does, and it seems like the the audience is bigger, you know, because uh, I remember when I first started, it was like I had a voice, and I I, I felt like I. I had good information to convey, but the avenues weren't there, you know? And so there was no way to get that information out there. And now with social media, it's, it's kind of almost a scary thing in a way. It's kind of like, I'm glad that it wasn't there, you know, when, uh, <laughs> when I was first coming up, you know, through, through the business in, in, in the mid to late, you know, two thousands. Um, but you know, outside of that, it's, it's just like anything. There's the good and the bad. There is a lot of information out there, you know, that's, that's easily accessible to everybody uh, on the bad part. You know, there's a lot of bad information out there, you know, and trying to decipher the good from the bad, you know, is, is kind of um, a no win situation, you know, sometimes. Um, and yeah, shoot, I could, I could go on and on about that, but <laughs> Yeah, there's probably more interesting stuff for us to talk about. <laughs> I think I, I I definitely think it's a double-edged sword. You know, um, social media and, and what the internet has provided us is is a avenue for good coaches to give more, to just provide more value, educate more, make sure people are doing the, the right things the right way. Um, unfortunately, the other side of the sword is that there are 
influencers who may not be the best people to influence. And then we have to worry about that damage control that, that a lot of people see. But I think if you're following people that, I mean, you and I can contest this, every great person in the space that I've ever reached out to has always been willing to give, willing to talk, willing to, to conversate because they really just want to give back to the, the fitness space. And I think that's like a trait that people can look for in order to not get steered the wrong way. Um, but I would agree with everything you were saying. You've, as I've watched you, I think you're a good person to talk to, to about this when we get more into like tactical topics, because there was a point in time where all of a sudden it seemed like all bodybuilders were powerlifting in their off season. Like it was like a really prevalent thing. I don't think it's not necessarily like there was a big wave of it and now it's kind of died off. And there's like, there's people that do both. There's people who shift gears all the way to powerlifting. I know you're heavily into powerlifting now. Um, so I, I would love to kind of dive into powerlifting and bodybuilding and why you think that it might be a good idea to do both and when there is a uh, context for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the, 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 the wave that we saw was just um, kind of a, you have to lift weights in order to bodybuild, you know, and then likewise, you have to lift weights in order to do powerlifting. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, football players can't play football year round, you know, they got to, they got to kind of heal up. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's, there's things that they can do to kind of sharpen their skills. Right. And so it, it just seemed like kind of one of those things where you can't be lean all the time, but at the same time, you can lift weights all the time. So if, when you're not lean, you know, and you want to stay motivated, and we know that, you know, lifting weights does make you stronger, you know, which in turn builds more muscle, it seemed like it's kind of a, a natural thing. And so a lot of times, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, to, to motivate me to get stronger and put on more muscle, let's do this powerlifting thing, you know, and it, ironically, it was like a lot of the, the, the bodybuilders were pretty darn good in, in powerlifting, you know, um, at least until, you know, the really good powerlifters started coming out, you know, and I think what, what kind of discouraged some of the bodybuilders from pursuing more competitive aspirations in powerlifting was that, you know, in order to, keep up with those naturally gifted powerlifters. Those those powerlifters are just made for doing those three lifts, right? Um, you kind of had to walk that fine edge to where, you know, you had to you had to lift those lifts more than once a week. You know, you had to, you know, undulate things to where you were pushing volume pretty high one day and then later you'd hit it again, but more intensity, less volume. And so that kind of led to kind of you know, injury and, 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 you know, kind of repetitive uh, injury type things that kind of discouraged bodybuilders, you know, in a way. Um, and so, yeah, now I think today there's still some bodybuilders that are out there that are very good powerlifters. You know, Bryce Lewis started out as a bodybuilder, you know, and then lo and behold, he's one of the best powerlifters in the world yeah, I didn't, know, <laughs> right I didn't know he started i didn't know he started as a bodybuilder that's interesting yeah yeah in 2008 uh when i met alberto um bryce won the i want to say it was the the lightweight novice class it was either the lightweight or the middleweight novice class and then he returned in 2009 to compete in the in the open and then after 09, it was kind of one of those things where it was like he would show up every now and then on the bodybuilding.com forums and, you know, boom, he pulled 505 pounds, you know. <laughs> and then it was like, I don't know if I could do this powerlifting thing because I need to use straps. You know, I haven't got the grip for it. And then pretty soon Eric, you know, could see the potential there. And, yeah, you know, it was kind of a, a, an evolution that happened from there. So it was kind of like those type of athletes were born from that era of doing bodybuilding you know, and powerlifting kind of, you know, together. Um, but yeah, now, you know, it's, it's, I feel like powerlifting, while it's, it, it can be kind of hard training wise, it's just a more, at least for me anyway, it's a more healthy pursuit. You know, I don't need to do the anal things that kind of got me 
twisted thinking, I guess you might say, right? I just need to eat healthy. I just need to make sure I eat my fruits and vegetables. I get my proteins there every serving. I don't worry about counting calories and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and it, it, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling. It's like I now know what it feels like to eat normal, to eat like an athlete would, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that, that, that powerlifting for me is, is a more healthy pursuit. And sometimes that's kind of why I tend to kind of push it, especially when I see people that are gifted, you know? Um, and then from the, the, the competitive standpoint, powerlifting is definitely at a place now where I wish bodybuilding was at. At a point there was powerlifting, and this was quite a while ago, it got very split, very uh, fractured. You know, there was raw powerlifting, there was equipped powerlifting, there was, you know, triple ply bench shirts and, and erector suits. And, and pretty soon you've got nine different categories of, of powerlifting that no one could really, you know, keep track of, you know, and it kind of got unfun. Um, and now, lo and behold, look what bodybuilding is doing. You know, it's getting very fractured. You've got bodybuilding, you've got classic bodybuilding, you've got physique, you've got classic physique, you've got, you know, figure, bikini. Um, and on the flip side of that, powerlifting is kind of becoming more, a little bit more, you know, um, consolidated, where you've got raw and you've got equipped, and that's it, you know. And so it seems like it's just getting to be more of a, you know, an attainable thing, I guess you might say. You don't have to train with all this gear and all this different stuff and and things that people have never even heard of, you know. Um, and then on top of it, you know, you look at the, the community aspect. You know, community is a very, very powerful thing. You know, you look at the evolution of CrossFit and how big and how popular CrossFit got. You know, it, it wasn't that they were doing anything spectacular on the athletic side and the training side of it. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. The athletes are phenomenal athletes that are very, very strong-willed mentally. But you were pulling in, you know, teachers and moms and just, you know, all kinds of general population people that just love that community aspect of it. And so I, I'm, I'm wishing that, that somehow bodybuilding could get some of that community atmosphere that I think that, that powerlifting is kind of generating um, through, you know, the, the, of course, popular, you know, social media and things like that. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of being able to actually like integrate the powerlifting into bodybuilding, when you're working with an athlete, how, how do you go about doing that? And what are your recommendations as far as, is, is it a matter of, only worry about it if, if a competitor wants to actually pursue bodybuilding in a, or I'm sorry, pursue powerlifting in a long-term off season, or is there ever time where you kind of like, I hate to use the term power building, but when you kind of start to kind of mold these two things together so people can have the best of both worlds. Cause I know for us, we work with a lot of people that their main goal is to look better. Um, so even from a general population bodybuilding standpoint, they're, they're bodybuilding in their own uh, own way, but they also care about getting stronger. So how do you meld these two together and when do you find that appropriate? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things where powerlifting incorporates three specific lifts, right? And so um, if you really wanted to have like a power building program, you have to incorporate those lifts into the training, right? But you can power build without necessarily doing the three specific lifts, at least in my opinion, you know. And really what it all boils down to is just kind of, you know, where, where periodization came from, right? Going through periods where it's high volume, it's, it's a lot of repetitions, it's bodybuilding, right? Um, and then going through periods where it's, it's strength, it's low repetition, it's heavier weight, you know, and sometimes that's, that's not an easy transition, you know, when you're used to doing three sets of eight, three sets of 10, three sets of 12, you know, it's, it's hard for that person that's used to doing that to pile on more weight so that they can only do, you know, five repetitions, six repetitions, et cetera. 
So a lot of times when I meld those two worlds together, first of all, what I'll kind of do is I'll just kind of say, okay, look, what are your best lifts? What are your best and your favorite lifts? You know, and then they'll tell me and then we'll kind of find in a, in a somewhat of a happy medium. I'll say, okay, on those lifts only, I just want you to do them heavier. I don't care how many repetitions you get. I just want you to do them heavier than what you have been doing. And then tell me what you get. And then tell me how you liked it. And then, you know, kind of that's what gets things going. They're like, wow, I didn't realize how strong I was. You know, or, wow, I didn't realize how good I was at X. You know what I mean? Um, and then pretty soon we can kind of start incorporating that into their training more often. You know, we can say, okay, let's, let's run that lift that way for this period. And then when you don't want to do that heavy anymore, we'll just go the other way. You know, we'll kind of lighten it up. And then pretty soon we'll start taking the whole program that way. And then pretty soon that kind of starts making a boring program a little bit more interesting. You know, people kind of tend to get bored doing the same lifts all the time. But they're more tolerant of doing the same lifts all the time if it's like, okay, during this block of training, I'm going to get a pump, you know, and I'm going to do lots of, of repetitions and I'm not going to, you know, make it so heavy that it feels like it's going to crush me, you know, <laughs> and then go through periods where they don't want to do that. You know, those workouts are long and they burn and they kind of hurt, you know, and okay, well now let's shift gears and let's go to a more strength program where you, it's heavy enough that you can't get that many repetitions and it doesn't burn so much, you know, and so it, it kind of makes that, that, that boring program a little bit more exotic and a little bit more fun. I'm sure this depends um, and, and it'll definitely depend on adherence. Cause I know like what you're saying right there, even uh, when, when you go in the gym and you know what you're, you're chasing, you have more focus and it's easier to do so. Um, but do you prefer to have a client going through these phases where, Hey, we are in a strength block where it's lower volume. We're going to focus on strength. And then we have one or two hypertrophy blocks. Let's say, well, we are hitting eights, tens, 12s, 15s. Um, or do you prefer more of an undulation where we have a heavy day and like on an upper lower split, for example, like we have a heavy day and a light day. Um, and then we don't have to go back and forth. Do you find any benefit on one over the other or is it just case dependent? Well, the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, first of all, you can have kind of a heavy day and a light day in a hypertrophy block. And then you can have a heavy day and a light day in a strength block. Yeah. Right. So you can kind of incorporate in your light, your, 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 your hypertrophy block, your lighter block. You can incorporate your lights are 15 reps and your heavies are eight, you know. And then when you do your strength block, you can kind of do things like your heavies are twos and your lights are sixes. You know what I mean? So the two don't have to be totally mutually exclusive. Um, however, I, I will say that for the majority of like bodybuilding work, right? The isolation work where you're trying to focus on one particular muscle, whether it be a curl or a leg extension or a side lateral raise. I tend to kind of keep those, regardless of strength or, or hypertrophy focus, I kind of tend to keep those kind of high, you know. The only time that I'll, I'll kind of vary from that is just, you know, again, something to kind of make it a little bit more interesting, you know. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily make them mutually exclusive. And at the same time, I don't always do that with everything, you know. Um, and, and let's face it. I mean, sometimes it's, it's kind of fun just to kind of, you know, keep things, keep variety in there, which is good, but it's bad. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's good because it keeps it fresh, you know, uh, and it keeps it, you know, um, um, where, where you don't get bored. Right. But it's bad because if you're having to learn a new exercise again, and it's a fairly complex exercise, well, now we got to relearn a new movement. Halting that whole process of gaining strength and building muscle, right? But at the same time, there's those low skill movements that can kind of interchange to make it more fun. And so, you know, curl is a curl. You know, it doesn't really matter if it's a barbell or a cable or a camera curl or, you know, what have you. Um, if we are just kind of keeping those high volume all the time and there's not a whole lot of skill involved in that, yeah, let's just change those up as much as you want to. Whatever it takes to keep that volume up and keep you training hard, you know what I mean? Because we have to kind of face it that, especially a lot of what we're finding now, the effort's got a lot to do with it. And 
if you're so tired of doing one movement, you're not going to try very hard. You know, that effort's not going to be there. But if you do that for a while until you get sick of it, then you don't really have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, just kind of keep the same rep ranges and same volume and everything, same intensity, and just do a different exercise as long as it still fits that criteria. You know, you wouldn't want to, again, throw the baby out with the bathwater and start doing a lateral raise when you're trying to work your tricep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. I think, I think it, it kind of simplifies things because, you know, there's, there's certain compound lifts that you don't want to create too much variation with because there is a lot of skill. Like you mentioned, we want to progress with those. But I think there's things like how much can you really progress your dumbbell hammer curl? It's mm-hmm. not much, you know, not much over time. And it actually probably gives some, some merit to – I mean, we all know those bodybuilders over time that just seem like they just go in and do random shit and they're not following a periodized program but they look unbelievable. And you're like, mm-hmm. how does that yeah. work? And, it, and it's probably, you know, their efforts there, their volume is there and they're just consistent. And I think that's really the bread and butter. And they enjoy it. Yeah. You know, they just, they absolutely enjoy their training and they love getting in the gym, you know? And a lot of times those guys, they do have a fair amount of skill. You know, they have been at their craft for long enough that they're good at, at, at several different variations of mm-hmm. working the same muscle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when, it, when you think about a hammer curl, we don't really care being good about a hammer curl. What we care about is having the big bicep, you yeah. know? So does it really matter if it's a curl or if it's a, you know, a barbell or what have you, we're trying to grow bigger biceps. And so exercise variety does make it more fun and you will try harder. You know, it, it, that effort's got to be there, you know? Um, whereas if you're trying to improve a specific lift, well now, you know, we got to have a little bit more specificity involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of those things where, you know, getting back to the bodybuilder that's just jacked on a program that, that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's in getting, enjoying the training, you know, kind of like what we first started out with. What pushes me and what keeps me going, I just love lifting the weight, you know. It just so happens that I'm kind of boring and it like doing the same stuff all the time. <laughs> Uh, so to take that a step further inside this uh this conversation of of periodization and and how we're kind of undulating our training progressive overload for hypertrophy i think uh progressive overload for strength is pretty obvious you know um, a classic linear model is going to work really well lower volume increase intensity rinse and repeat it's kind of hard not to lift more for four reps than you did for six reps last week so on and so forth inside of hypertrophy what have you found to be the most uh beneficial thing like if somebody is just solely focused on progression or i'm sorry uh hypertrophy what are the the things that you're looking for the key indicators you try to track and get them get them progressing on to ensure that we're consistently building is it a double progression is it the same as as strength is it just being patient and just letting those numbers accumulate um or is it different movements i'd love to get your take on on progressive overload as a whole when it Hypertrophy is the main goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in short, the answer to your question is yes. Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, getting back to this, this, um, um, this little definition, I guess, of effort, right? Um, I, I'm finding that... You know, you can, you, can, you can only have progressive overload go so far, you know, and then it's kind of one of those things where, you know, the double progression model works great, but it's so boring and it's, it sometimes takes, you know, kind of years and years and years to progress on something like a lateral raise or a curl. You know, I think Jeff said he's kind of gone up on his lateral raises in like five years, you know what I mean? Um, and so one of the things that I'm finding that is key is that you 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 want to start thinking more so about effort focus you know and performing well in the gym that's what it all boils down to is performance in the gym and so it's funny that you mentioned this because i just we just put out a blog yesterday that i had written where i i, I kind of named these 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 three keys to performing good because i really feel like that's the key is high performance as much as you can, you know what I mean? And so when it comes to progressive overload, 
you know, what you want to kind of almost think about is, is not think in terms of progressing in terms of load or repetitions or whatever, but trying to keep your performance high. And if you can, in any way, shape or form going up, you know, and make just a few of those average sessions that are just going in there and getting the work done. Phenomenal session. You know what I mean? And like the one thing about the daily undulating periodization model that, you know, we found is a fault. You don't know how you're going to perform on any given day in the future, you know? And so in order to keep that effort high and for performance to be high, sometimes you just got to take the loads down a little bit, you know? And performing high on that day that's further from your potential is probably going to get you more than trying to perform closer to your potential. And it's just not there, you know, and it's kind of like a low performance session, you know. But yeah, when it comes to to, to training for, for hype, and it's really, it's kind of all, all in the same if you think about it, performance and strength. I feel like the key is do whatever you can to keep performance high, you know. And so kind of like we talked about, if your elbow's bothering you on a curl and you need to get three, four sets of 12, 15, whatever. You're not going to perform very good if your elbow's bugging you, you know. Maybe you can shift to a hammer curl where there's less of the elbow involved and more of the forearm. And now you can get your volume in in a high-performance way with some fairly heavy loads where you're putting a lot of effort from, like, the first rep to the last rep doing a different exercise, you know. If you're finding that you can really only get three or four, like, consecutive sessions where they're really good in a row, and then it's just like, you know, when that fatigue kind of mounts and rears its ugly head, it's like, man, I just feel like someone just zapped all my muscle and I don't have any strength anymore, you know? Well, maybe kind of look at the trends and start thinking, okay, I need to be more proactive with deloads, you know? And deloads don't even have to be a, a long period of time. You get three good high-performance sessions together that are really good, take two or three days off, you know? Or pinch a, um, an easier session in there, you know what I mean? Where it's not quite as taxing, you know, and you're doing more isolation movements. Maybe it, maybe it's practice work where you're purposely training to a lower RPE. But these are all these these little keys that I've kind of found that keep performance high all the time. Because I feel like if if say for example that in the course of a year you've got 175 training sessions, you know, the average person usually only has about less than 50% of those that are amazing, right? Well, if we can get more closer to 50% of those sessions being absolutely amazing, that what I, is what I feel like is the key to unlocking, you know, our true potential, both physically, or I should say physique-wise, and then also strength-wise, too. I like that. I actually did check out that blog that you're talking about too. And it, it, it was, it was really good. And I'll link that in the show notes for people to check out. Um, I also, I, I made, this was based on uh, something I've seen from somebody else, but it's like a little graph. It's actually right here. Cause I was using it again. Um, but it's, it's, it shows like 80% of your training is like decent. Like you make a little tiny progression. It's okay. It, it feels good, but it's nothing crazy. 10% of your training and your career is like amazing PR city. It's, it's unbelievable. And then 10% is pretty bad. It's like you have shitty days and, and it is what it is. But I think the problem with a lot of people is that 80% is the majority and 80% is just, it's just kind of good. Like you're just slowly trucking along. And I think that patience key is, is the big key with all this progression talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, the answer is not, you got to perform and have those amazing sessions all the time because then the amazing sessions amount to less than a hundred training sessions in a, yeah. Uh, a year, right? And that's not the answer. So you have to kind of know that some of those sessions, they're just going to be bad. A lot of those sessions are going to be average. But if we can just get 10% of those sessions up to like 15 or 20%, sometimes that alone is going to be a game changer. Yeah. Um, you mentioned on a podcast, a 3DMJ podcast that I was listening to, I think, I think it was you, Alberto, and Jeff. And I want to say... Jeff was more of a intuitive feeling type of guy. And you were more of an analytic type of guy, I think was the conversation. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm an analytic person too. I really like tracking data and, and I'm recording my reps and my sets and my weight and my reps and reserve on everything I do and my macros and we periodize things. 
So I, I enjoy that control and I enjoy, I, I have fun with it. Um, but I would love to just hear your thoughts on like that side of things and how important you think the analytics are. You're talking about training and, and you're tracking certain variables to make sure you're progressing. How important is this for the person who, like, I think Jeff might be an outlier because he's so experienced that he can intuitively kind of track. Like it's like numbers are like the matrix in his head, I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah. How important is that for people who are really looking for progress, but maybe they're not tracking? Mm-hmm. The- yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good question, Cody. Cause I mean, with me, I love my numbers because I can intervene when I feel it's necessary. Mm. You know, if I'm seeing that there's this particular trend where either volume is flat or my tonnages are flat or what have you, I can intervene and say, okay, here's what we need to do in this next block. You know, we need to do some sort of an intervention like adding a set, you know, or if our, 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 our strength is, our, our focus is strength and we're kind of seeing these, these average lows are just staying the same, 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 or that maybe they're even kind of starting to trend down. Well, now we need to do some sort of an intervention where we purposely take loads up or we just do just a heavy primary set, right? So a lot of times I love my numbers because it tells me when I need to do something, you know, and, and, and intervene. Now, how, how do I do that on a more intuitive um, manner is a good question. Because, <laughs> I mean, let's face it, like with Jeff, you know, he just, he has a way of putting maximum effort whether something is heavy or whether it's light, you know what I mean? He, he, he makes all of the effort, he makes all of the reps look like a lot of effort, you know? And so therefore he's really good at making calls and, 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 and making audible. Plus he's got a ton of experience. I mean, how many different types of curls has that guy done and different <laughs> kinds of laterals, you know, and different kinds of these movements that he's really good at that he can just fall back on and say, okay, that's not in the cards that I don't feel like doing, but I can accomplish the same thing. I can work the same muscle. I can do the same intensity, whatever it is doing this, you know what I mean? So how do I coach somebody on that? You know, is that's a difficult thing, you know, to be honest with you. Do you think and that- that's your question, right? I want to make sure I'm understanding your question is how do I program them in a more intuitive fashion like that? Um, not necessarily. I, th- I think, I think that's a good uh, approach more, more so how important the analytics are. And, and I think like you kind of answered it there, like maybe tracking these things over time is actually what allows you to become more intuitive eventually. Mm-hmm. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to say. If, if, if I kind of, I kind of read more into your question than it really was, but if I'm trying to get a person to, to be more intuitive, it takes time. You know, we need to see, okay, here's what the numbers show, you know, and when you start kind of plateauing and things aren't really happening, it makes you feel this way. And so then we need to intervene in this fashion or this fashion or this fashion, you know, and we found that with this type of intervention, that didn't really work, but this did, you know? And so, yeah, I think it's just, it takes time and it, it kind of takes relearning almost the fundamentals again, but, you know, learning them kind of inside out in a way and different ways that you can use them. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where, again, it, it, it's, it all boils down to time and patience, right? I know everybody doesn't like hearing that, you know, they kind of want that, that, that quick fix. Um, but it really does boil down to time and patience. You know, the reason Jeff can make those kind of audibles is because he spent lots of time doing this and doing that movement. And knowing this and knowing that, you know, and it's kind of one of those things where without that, gosh, I don't even know if I could really, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you can't just gift that to somebody, you know? Yeah. I think that that's one thing that, and this is actually, this is perfect because this is uh, my final question for today. It's more of a personality question in a way, but my answer to the question I'm about to ask you would actually be that that's what fitness gave me more than anything is patience. And I think, you know, growing up, I was actually the, my parents would tell you I was the most impatient kid in the world. So fitness and physique transformation actually instilled a lot of dedication and, and patience into me because 
it's an art and it takes a long time. And, and I had to wait and, and progress and wait and progress and be methodical and progress. And um, so that gave me so much. But my question for you is, if you can boil it down to one thing, what is the biggest thing that fitness has given you? Coaching, bodybuilding, fitness, just kind of this whole world that you've been in for, for as long as you have. Like, what is the most powerful, I guess, lesson or, or thing that it's provided you with? Um, you know, it's provided me with a lot. And so it's kind of hard for me to narrow it down, you know, to just one thing. But, um, you know, the, the first thing that pops into my head and, and, and if anybody's listened to any other podcast that I've come up, it's going to sound like a broken record in a way, <laughs> but, um, you know, in addition to those things that you mentioned, because it has taught me a lot about patience, um, you know, it's kind of taught me to be a good, a good leader and a good dad. Um, and not so far by like, like the way, the way that Eric does, you know, it's, here's this information that I've got out there. That's, that's fantastic. You know what I mean? More so a leader in like leading by example. You know what I mean? Um, my son has an incredible work ethic and he's not always had that, you know, there was a point in time when he was kind of a, kind of a lazy fat kid that just liked to play video games, you know, and now here he is 17 years old. He's the freaking team captain for the varsity football team. And, you know, the, the, the kid will just get in the gym at like nine o'clock at night sometimes and just start going to work, you know? And that's the kind of leading that I'm thinking that, that fitness has provided me is that, okay, if I walk by example, I just got to kind of show people how I walk. You know what I mean? And even that I haven't really figured out. You know, I'm hardly an Alberto Nunez that's just a master of social media and can just be a magnet of people. You know what I mean? But I feel like fitness has given me an opportunity to lead more so by leading by example for my son and, 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 you know, just people that are more gravitated toward, um, are, 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 I guess, less gravitated to what people say or how they look or what have you. Cause you know, we, we, we talked about this earlier. There's a lot of bad information out there. And sometimes the worst information comes from the people that look the best, you know, mm -hmm. because they don't know how they got it. It's like, I walked in this way. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like while I, you know, I can't necessarily provide information like Eric does or be a, a people magnet like Alberto does and, and, and look like Jeff does and draw people to me that way, I feel like just by the way that I conduct myself and the way that I do train and the way that I do go about living the life, um, I lead that way. And that's kind of what fitness has provided for. I love that. I can relate to that much more now. My, uh, my daughter's going to be two on Saturday, so she's really young, but <laughs> my mind's already starting to work in that way, you know, where you, you really start to pay attention to everything you do because you know that they're, they're a mirror, you know, they're gonna, mm -hmm. they're gonna really see what you do. And, and I can even relate to that from like watching my dad and, and the things I did both good and bad that were just because I saw it, you know? So yeah. um, I love that. I think that's super important. Um, so before, before I let you go places for people to find you, I believe your, your Instagram is at 3DMJ coach. That is correct. Yeah. Then, I, I kind of use that predominantly Twitter at 3DMJ coach, you know, <laughs> yeah. anything that's out there at 3DMJ coach. Uh, but yeah, really the team 3DMJ stuff, that's, that's really where the valuable stuff is. In my opinion, we've got that team 3DMJ Instagram, team 3DMJ Twitter, team 3DMJ YouTube. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's predominantly yep, podcast. Yeah. Uh, we've got the 3DMJ podcast, um, 3DMJ vault. That's where we've got all of our, our free courses, paid courses, a lot of, uh, you know, just good information and content there. Um, yeah, I say that's probably where, you know, you're going to find a lot of the good stuff. I, I will link all those in the show notes, guys. I can't recommend them enough. I mean, I've purchased many courses from the, the vault. I've been following and reading and I mean, I got the muscle and strength pyramids, hard copies right here. Right and there. The, yeah, great. As soon as they came out with cards, <laughs> I was like, I got to get those. Um, I've even sent uh, clients of mine that are competing to the vault to watch Jeff's posing course because yeah. I don't teach posing. So um, 
3dmj is coming out with so much information um i'll link all that in the show notes so everybody can grab that and then and obviously like the last thing i have to say to you is just once again thank you for everything you guys do you and the rest of the crew have had such a big influence on my life and my career it's it's pretty cool to have you on the show and to be talking about getting the other guys on the show as well um so thank you i appreciate it a ton i know a lot of listeners do as well yeah thanks for having us on you know i don't get this opportunity as much as the other guys do so uh, I'm a little bit more grateful to you than probably a lot of people are. So <laughs> It's my pleasure. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.